context matters. And so when we kick off a new series, we spend a whole message on the context. It can be a little heady at times, uh, and I'm not always the best guy to do it, I feel like, but, but here I am. And so we're going to dive in this morning to the first four verses of, of Titus and uh, read those. We'll pray, and then we'll dive into to the context and see how it applies to our lives today. So Paul says in verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Savior. Let's pray, church. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the, a new opportunity, a new season that we're in as a church family, as we begin a new chapter, a new series. What does it mean to, to have a title before us that truth transforms? What will we hear? What this morning have you desired for us to capture as it relates to us personally, as we're nine days in to new? How do you desire this morning, Father, to encourage us to, to craft your purpose within our hearts and set our minds uh, on the right dial with you and your purpose and your mission? God, would you use this morning for your glory as we seek to lift high the name of Jesus in this place? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I don't know what's before you. Maybe you have a hard copy of God's word or maybe you're looking at it electronically. That was a good catch. Um, <clears throat> when you look at the, when you, if you got the scriptures in front of you, it's fairly simple, right? This is like two pages. Titus is just three chapters, 46 verses total. That's the whole book. And, and that's where we're going to land in this, this, this book of, of, um, of instruction, of teaching. The first four verses, chapter one, verses one through four that I just read, there are periods, there are commas for us today in English, but you need to understand something. The original language, that's one long, like truth-filled sentence. The whole, all four verses. So much is packed into that, uh, those four verses. And, and Paul, as if you've spent any time in the scriptures, you know that a lot of times the, the salutation is at the beginning of the book as opposed to the end or the letter, right? Today, we, we write a letter to somebody and we sign it, you know, sincerely, or uh, it's all about Jesus, or thanks so much, or appreciate your time, or whatever. We do that at the end. Well, here, Paul comes out of the gate with the salutation, with the, which is kind of, you know, I, I kind of like that. I wish we kind of followed that. Like, who, who am I reading right now? Uh, who signed this letter? They didn't even leave their name, so I'm probably not going to read it. You know what I'm saying? One of those things. But he, he, he starts it off in the beginning with his salutation. So what I want to do this morning as it relates to context, this is the simplest way I know how to do this, is just to grab some phrases, grab some words, and help you understand the context. And, and I don't want to assume that everybody knows 
who all these players are or that what the, what the context is and, and where the geography is and all of that kind of stuff. So we're just going to dive in. So first off, Paul, that's the first word we encounter in verse one, who that is. That's bad English, right? Who is that? Who is Paul? Paul, was his name always Paul? Nope. What you need to know is his name was Saul of Tarsus. That's who he started out as. And he was a devout Jew who aggressively persecuted the early church. Acts chapter nine gives us detail of his dramatic encounter with the resurrected Jesus Christ on a road called Damascus. He was on that road traveling to persecute some more Christians and has this amazing, you got to read that Acts chapter nine, it's unreal, encounter with Jesus Christ. So impactful on his life that he becomes one of the most significant players in the New Testament. He becomes the missionary to the Gentiles and has all kinds of letters. The New Testament is chock full of his writings, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. They're full of encouragement, exhortation, instruction to churches and individuals throughout the Roman Empire. He is, the next phrase, a servant of God. You need to know that that is a a strong term in the original language. There's a lot of weight to that phrase. It is an excessive willingness to serve and please. Paul is saying that he has sold himself into slavery, that his will, whatever will he has, has been completely swallowed up by the will of his master. What's very interesting historically is that within the Roman Empire, the Romans, that was like, you might as well kill yourself if you have to become a servant of somebody else. Like that's, a, that's documented. So for Paul to come out of the gate with, you need to understand something about me. I am a servant of the Almighty, that he is a slave to Jesus Christ. The next word is apostle. What does that word mean? That's a, that's a mysterious word. It literally means sent one. That's what it means. Someone sent to accomplish a task on behalf of the sender. But this word apostle for Paul, it carries with it some significant and weighty authority. Why? Because he comes with the authority from the one, capital O, capital N, capital E, who sent him. And the scriptures say that it's Jesus Christ. That's who he is sent from. Then you get to this next phrase, for the sake of the faith of God's elect. I'm just going to read to you straight something that I read that I think is pretty spot on. With, it's from the expositor's commentary. God's elect are those who have responded to God's call through the gospel. The expression embodies a true balance between the divine initiative and the human response. Although surrounded with mystery... The biblical teaching on election is for believers and is intended as practical truth. It assures faithful, struggling believers that their salvation is all of God from beginning to end. It's a good word. Who's it for? It's for the church. That's what that means. At the end of the day, this is for the church. What church? Where church? The church at Crete. Specifically, I've given you a map. I want you geographically to understand that Crete 
is uh, it's an eastern uh, Mediterranean Sea uh, little island. Way off down there, I'll give you a little red arrow below Turkey and Greece is where Crete is. And that leads us to Titus, verse 4, to Titus. Who Titus is? Who is that? Titus, among the friends that Paul had, Titus was one of the most useful and the most, probably perhaps the best beloved in Paul's life. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. Titus was a Gentile. He seems to have been a a fella of great common sense. He's got some business savvy, one scholar said, that it seems that that Titus had some business uh, capacity. He was a man of strict moral principles as well as a man who could order the church well. He could rally the people behind the mission, behind the, the vision. We learned that Titus had apparently accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey, or at least part of it. Because when you keep reading in Titus, you realize that it says that he left Titus in Crete. He didn't send him to Crete. So they were traveling together at some point, got to this island in Crete with the message of Jesus Christ, and he decides to leave Titus there, perhaps as a, uh, a superintendent, if you will, to raise up leaders, to continue the message, the good news of Jesus Christ. We learn in uh, chapter 3, verse 12, that Paul is now writing to Titus, this letter from a place called Nicopolis, which let me give you another map, and let me say ish. Everybody say ish, all right? I'm giving you a red arrow. This is ish of where Nicopolis is, and the only reason I show this to you, the other maps that really dial in Nicopolis is they don't show Crete. So my purpose here is for you to geographically see the distance where Paul is potentially writing Titus and where, where Titus is for this church in Crete. This is it. And when you, chapter three, verse 13, we learned that this letter, these three, these 46 verses were traveled, were carried to Titus in Crete Paul wrote the letter to describe the nature of a genuine church and to define its mission and message. I always continue to be amazed at how God has us as a body in passages of Scripture or in books of the Bible that seem so appropriate for where we are as a culture. A fellowship, a body of Christ titled Bedrock Community Church. That's who you are. That's not the building. That's why the name's not on the building. Because you're the church. You are Bedrock. What should we, what's our mission? What should we be about? What's the message that you and I should be taking to the world? It's right here in 46 verses. So simply put, all of that Contextual information leads us to really the phrase. Do you see the phrase? Their knowledge of truth, which accords with godliness. That's where the teaching team lands with the title, truth that transforms. For our culture, for our community, for our main street, for where you drove this morning, before you got to our parking lot, 
to where the outpost is. Is truth transforming your lives? Has it already deeply impacted your life? We live in a day, many would say, is a postmodern culture that is saturated with relativism, subjective truth, and now alternative facts. Therefore, it can be extremely, extremely challenging to remain grounded in truth. And as Jude 3 says, to contend for the faith, to fight for it. Because the world is running in the exact opposite direction of what these principles call us to live by and how we are to to operate our mission, our purpose, our calling. So significant for us. This, This truth and godliness. You see that in the text? This is where truth that transforms comes into play. And so I'm trying to, trying to think through in, in my limited vocabulary and, and trying to think through how to help you get it. Like, what's a word that I could use to help you understand that these two are, they're, they're not, you can't separate these two. That truth transforms. Truth, true truth transforms. It, it embodies, and, and the word that I ran to was inextricably related. Yeah, what does that mean? Inextricably related. It means it's impossible to disentangle them or to separate. No matter how sincere our intentions might be, we cannot obey God's will if we do not know what God's will is. Knowledge. You know, the word knowledge is more than just understanding. The Bible says that the demons believe in Jesus, but does that mean that they're going to be saved from eternal damnation and get to spend eternity? No. They know. Doesn't mean they're going to get to spend eternity with Jesus. So it's a different kind of knowledge. It's an experiential knowledge. Everybody say experiential. That's what this word means. It means that that you've worn it You've heard it. You've massaged it within your life. It's a part of who you are. You're walking in the knowledge of that truth. It's more than just an understanding or an awareness of. It's you. It's who you are. We cannot be godly people if we don't know what God is like. That he's holy. It, you see this, this, this truth of, and godliness, they, they produce transformation. They should. It should change the, the very DNA of who we are and the patterns of our lives. We all were people who walked in darkness. If you're believing that you just came out of the womb smelling good, all right, and, and were without sin, you have been greatly deceived. Your mama lied to you. You came out the room all jacked up. You were nasty, all right? You were vile. Oh, but they look so cute, them little kids. Mm-mm, no, no, bad, all right, bad. You needed to be transformed. That's why Jesus died on the cross, right? 
because we were filthy, rotten to the core. Sorry to bust your bubble. I don't know. I'm mean, just, you know, truth. We needed Jesus. And, and so there's this transformation that has to take place in our lives that moves us from being ungodly, ungodly thoughts, ungodly actions, ungodly behavior to godly ways of living. And if it does not, then either a fake gospel has been presented or a genuine gospel has not been received or believed, which, oof, that's a dangerous state of delusion to live in and an even more tragic state to die in in today's world. Puritan Richard Baxter emphasizes the intimate association of truth with godliness in this phrase. Take heed to yourselves, lest your example contradict your doctrine, lest you unsay with your lives what you say with your tongues. Oh, I, I thought I would hear like a mm or a uh, woo, or maybe even an amen. Okay, thank you. That's a statement right there. I'm looking around the room to see if anybody's writing that mess down. That's really good, y'all. That's good. How many, of you, how many of you have walked in the negative of that? Can I see your hand? Raise it up like, yep. You, 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 you said to your kids, right? Don't do as I do, do as I say. Come on. This is medicine. It's medicine that we all need to hear. Paul warns of this. He gets a very detailed list and he says, hey, I need you to understand something about the last days in times. And there's many today who would believe that we're in it, right? We're in it. Um, you know, Betty White passed away, right? Betty White. We know Betty White, Golden Girls. I don't know if you've seen the meme. It's got a cuss word in it, but it's pretty funny, you know? I'm like, that's hilarious, where Betty White is like in heaven and all the rest of the Golden Girls, and she's like, the whole place is going flipping crazy. I'm like, that's funny. That's very funny. Do y'all think that's funny? <laughs> Sorry. We need to lighten this place up a little bit. Y'all serious this morning. What happened last week when I was in Disney? All right, I'm back from Disney World. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Y'all are all serious. Paul, Paul gives us this list. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. He says this, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Somebody say, mm, within it. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Man, that's a good list. That's a hard list. That I don't know about you, but some of those words have applied to John G. Tate. They have, just like they've applied to you. You've been there. Even as believers, even as radically transformed, changed people by the gospel, with an inheritance of heaven stamped on your soul, sealed by the Holy Spirit, as Ephesians says. Some of those still apply to us. This is what I love about about the Almighty. This is what I love about the word grace, don't you? That we get 
to turn around at 21 and go, hmm, I don't, I don't think I did too fancy over there in that spot. Ah, man, I remember that time. Whoo, like a demon got up all up in me. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know what happened. What's wrong with me? You ever had those situations, experiences? You're just like, man, what's wrong with me? I got to go back to bed. I just need to put this, put this day to sleep. Let's start over. All of you today, guess what? You woke up. You're here. You're breathing. Sometimes you just need to feel it, right? Oh yeah, it's still there. I still, I still have today. I still get to turn around and go, hey, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I still get to turn around maybe perhaps and swallow some humble pie and go, man, I dropped that ball. And God allows you to do so. And he allows you by the power of his Holy Spirit that if you're a follower of Christ has been deposited into your life, most powerful engine on the planet, raised Jesus from the dead, tomb is empty. That's inside you. And I get to tap into it. I get to walk within that strength, within that power today. That's, I don't know, somebody should say amen. That's really good news. Thank you. Robin Marshall, thank you. For those watching online, we're like, who said that? I heard that on the... You get to walk in that. We get to dial in. We get to, by the power of his strength, make changes. That's what I love about this. We get to, to take a look at the title, Truth That Transforms, and think about how it transforms us. Spurgeon, this is going to be big. It's going to be weighty. Spurgeon put it forcibly, expressive, when he said periodical godliness is perpetual hypocrisy. Yeah, there was some mumbling on that one. Ouch. That ought to be like on our bathroom mirror. Mm. Put it on the car, like the dash, you know, right, maybe right beside the tachometer so you can check the tack on your heart when they whip in front of you and you want to, you know, flash the international finger, you know what I'm saying? Just love, it's love right here for you. This is how it affects us. This is where it comes in and plays into our everyday lives, almost implying that this is how we as people should begin our days. Do you do so? What does that look like for you? So all of that leads me to kind of step back from, okay, so I've, I've, I, read some knowledge, I read some interesting information about Titus. I learned some things, even how to say it. Right? I had to listen to it like nine times just so I could somewhat sound like I know what I'm talking about in front of you. So I learned some information. Okay. So what? How does that affect me? What's that got to do with me as a husband? What's that got to do with me as a father of four children? And, and now I have another human being in the house. That's not mine. But for right now, my family's on a rescue mission. That's, that's the way I'm looking at it. You add the word rescue to anything, that's hard. That's sacrificial. It's time-consuming. Where we are right now with a three-year-old who turns four tomorrow, foster care. How does that apply to me? How does it apply to you? So what? Now what? What do you do with that? When I look at how... Paul introduced himself in four verses. 
Again, it's one long chalk full truth sentence in the original language. What's he saying? When I, when I open my journal and I push back from the knowledge piece and go, okay, what did I just hear? Because I don't ever want to be that guy that just delivers knowledge to you or just tells you what I read from some book. But this is, this is embracing my life. I don't want to ever be a man with a message. I want the message to have the man. And that's a big difference. So the questions that I asked myself when I looked at that, I want to ask you some heart questions from this. And the first one is, is how Paul identified himself. He comes out of the gate and says, I'm a servant of God. What's your identity? When you, as a human, turn around from 21, how did you introduce yourself to people? What's your go-to? If you and I were to do salsa and chips right now, and I was just to say, all right, so tell me, let's start with who you are. What's your go-to? What's your automatic? You've got a crease in your brain because you've lived some life. You've got some notches in the belt. And, and you just got this, this is, this is how I come out of the gate. This is I just my name. This is where I'm from. And this is what I like. And this is, what's your go-to? That's my question. Paul comes out of the gate with, I am a slave to Jesus. Wow. There's a lot in that, isn't it? That his identity is I'm a servant. I'm, I'm a servant. That's who I am. Secondly, Paul declared his primary purpose for living. It's kind of threefold in verses one and two. One, he says, I want to be the means by which people come to faith in Jesus. Two, I want to strengthen their knowledge. Remember, experiential knowledge of truth. Why? To establish them for godly living for eternity, I could add, because it's all right there. So my question to you is, what's your primary purpose? I understand you have a job and you got to have a job because you got to pay bills because you got to put gas in the car and you got to have insurance or you don't get a car and you don't get the, the registration from the DMV and you don't. I get all of that. That's just the way the ball works. Set all of that aside for a second. What's your purpose within that? And another way to ask that question is, what do you most want to see fulfilled as a result of you being here on earth? I've been doing this for 30 years. And I've had many opportunity to step into somebody's living room after somebody has passed away. And, and now I don't even, I'm not, I'm not even trying to hide it anymore. I literally open up my computer, my laptop, and say, I just want to take notes. And I tell them in advance, would you gather the people in the living room who you want me to listen to? Because you're asking me, you're giving me the distinct honor to stand before your gathered family and friends and bookend their life. What do you want me to say? I'm asking you, before I get to your living room, what do you want me to say? What needs to be dialed in or tweaked or deleted? This is a, this is a legacy question, isn't it? This is what... Paul saw as his purpose. I want to be the means by which people will say, 
I came to faith in Christ because of his voice, because of he, he was an instrument in my life. Are there people right now on the planet that would say, I am in love with Jesus because of Man, there was this moment, and I mean, it, this sounds crazy, but it was like we were in the aisle of Walmart, and they just struck up and, and had a conversation. I mean, I'm in, I'm in Orlando, Florida. Get the family settled in at the hotel. Let's go grab some stuff. I'm at, um, this was like a, a CVS, no, Walgreens. It was specifically Walgreens. And I've got the list, you know, we're trying to get foster kid in the bed. It's kind of crazy. We just flew on a plane with a three-year-old. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what is happening? This is crazy. And I'm in Walgreens trying to gather all the stuff. And, and some dude just walked by me. He don't know me from Adam. I got nothing on me that says Jesus, right? I'm not wearing my Jesus rocks and you need him t-shirt. You know, I don't have any of that. It's just, I'm just walking. And, and in Walgreens, it's like a buggy. It's like a basket with a handle, right? And it's just kind of weird looking like I'm a four-year-old at the grocery store with my parents. And I'm walking around with this because there's no buggies. And and he literally, he walks by me and he says, hey man, I hope you're having a great day in Jesus. Well, huh? How do you? And I just was like, wow. He goes, yeah, it is. Jesus is awesome. And right, right now, some of you are like, freak. <laughs> right? Like we think that way. Why do we think that way? Why can't somebody just be totally hammered by Jesus and what he's done for them that they just talk about it everywhere they go? You know what I'm saying? And I'm walking away going, what's wrong with me? I'm a preacher, right? This is what I do. I don't, I don't do that in Walgreens with random strangers. Hey, make it a great day because Jesus is <laughs> What? <laughs> what's your purpose? The next thing I notice from, from what Paul says is that he identified his calling to proclaim God's word. That's what he said. This is my calling to proclaim God's word. Now, so the question is, what's your calling? Now, some of you are like, huh, purpose, calling. I, you may not like this. this may, you may, some of you are way smarter than I am. I'm just kind of going with what I've heard and what kind of works for me, that my calling is what I do today. It's the ebb and flow of how I've structured, of how I've blocked my time today that propels me towards my purpose. Make sense? I hope that's simple enough. Again, you may word, and that's okay. I'm okay if you word it differently, but I'm just doing the best I can. Paul says, my calling is to proclaim the word. This is a John 18, 37, where Jesus said, this is my purpose. I've came to give testimony. I've came to testify to truth. And so Whatever you do, I don't care if you're working construction, I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom, I don't care if you're in a cubicle or if you, you cut hair or, or you, you work at, wherever you, you're, whatever you're doing, you can accompany the purpose of Paul and his ebb and flow calling within your day-to-day -day life and how you intentionally, intentionally walk within it and structure your day. This is possible. Lastly, Paul affirmed his relationship with Titus. His commitment, focus, his commitment to disciple someone younger than him was resolute and intimate. So, who are you discipling in the faith? 
Some of you are like, oh, I bet you got lots of those people. Okay, can I consider this the moment where I'm intimately discipling you in the faith? Uh, I'd beg to differ with you. This is like a shotgun for us. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like blasting. And hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm standing on truth and I'm, I'm projecting to you what the Bible says. But this is what you pay me to do at the end of the day. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm, but am I intentionally grabbing a soul from out of the life and going, hey, this is what I've learned. I just need to... It's called discipleship. We talk about this all the time. This is not my, my definition, but I think it's really good that I have a cup, that I have a life that, that I've, I've, my father and my grandfather and, and, and people that I had in my life and coaches and, and, and people that God has orchestrated and thumbprinted to be in my life. And, and I've learned life. I've learned biblical theology, doctrine that affects and transforms me. And it's, I'm wearing it. Now I turn around and go, okay, wow, what do I do with that? Um, hey, younger you. And you just kind of keep hanging around. Um, what if I had an intentional moment, maybe every other week or maybe every week, or maybe we just get together on the phone or maybe we Zoom together or maybe we just get together and, and I, and I just kind of go, hey, uh, uh, this is, that's discipleship. Don't complicate it. That's all it is. It's take what you've heard and learned and it's in your cup and pour it into somebody else's. This is intentional for the Apostle Paul. Do you have that? I told you about going to the, the big church in Roanoke when I was a youth pastor and, and I talked to a guy who'd been doing student ministry there for like 40 years. All of his kids had gone through the student ministry and I'm just learning. I just got out of a learner. I'm a young dude, just got out of seminary and, and I'm listening and I'm learning. And I'm like, so, so when you turn around last year, can you put your finger on maybe a few souls that you intentionally poured into? First off, I've never been asked that question. And secondly, I'm really ashamed to tell you that right now I can't think of one that I was intentional. Um, don't you think that would be bad for me to intentionally seek out somebody individually? Because then wouldn't I be picking? Wouldn't I be? And I'm like, all I know is Jesus picked 12. He handpicked them. Knowing one of them was a messed up joker. He still picked him. He was like, wow. And I'm like, what would happen right now if you and I, if, if we led to, we just desired to lead differently. To go, man, I want to be intentional with my time. I want to be intimately, affectionately interested in the affairs of somebody else's life. You can't do this with everybody. I can't do this with everybody. But I got to be obedient to the ones that God kind of highlights for me. And I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't be pouring into everybody's cup. You know what I'm saying? You got people in your life and it's just where let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does. But I'm wondering nine days into a new year, do you turn around and go that one? I poured in that one. I, mean, I don't know how good or how effective I was, but that one was intentional. Here's the point. We get to today, turn around to a new chapter. We're all writing a new one. We're all starting new and fresh and 21's 21, but this is a new. And I get to go, hmm, I would love 
that, that December 31st, you know, or, or when we're landing 22, that I could intentionally have a different answer than I had that day on January 9th when I was in church. That's the beauty of it. I believe with all my heart that you and I, that we are what we repeatedly do. You know what that is? One of my words for 2022 is habit. Habit. I've got some ebbs and flows with my life, with my habits that I don't like. I don't like the way that over the last eight months, I've allowed a three-year-old on numerous occasions to steal my joy. That's jacked up. Stop, Johnji being so selfish. You're the early bird in the family. You're the one who's up earlier. You're the first face this rescue mission gets to see every morning. How's he greeted? You're up. Great. <laughs> like I'm looking at the Holy Spirit of God going, God, I... I don't know how long this, this human being is going to be in my family's care. I don't know what your plans are. I don't have a clue what your plans are. Am I going to be doing this for the rest of my life? If so, you know what? You're God. I'm not. Okay. So how can I be more joyful in the purpose that you've called for me personally, for my family? How can I be more joyful? How can I be more optimistic? How can I be more intentional? Listen, you are what you repeatedly do. It's called habits. And we develop these creases in our brains. And truth be told, they're not always positive. But as I read like, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, uh, I read a John Maxwell book called Thinking for a Change. And there were three principles that deeply impacted me. No matter who you are or what you're doing in life, unsuccessful people focus on survival. Average people focus on maintenance. Successful, they focus on progress. Progress. What does progress look like for you personally? with the context, with four verses of Titus chapter one, of Paul's salutation, of Paul's heart for people. Let's pray. This morning, as you bow your head and close your eyes and you, you introspectively think about you, your heart, your these questions. What is it this morning that you would look to your spouse, you would look to your kids, you would call a friend on the phone and say, this is why I feel like God took me to church today. This, the Holy Spirit of God who loves me, who refuses to leave me the way I am, who wants me and wants to help me become more like Jesus, this, this right here, this is why. Maybe, truth be told, friend, it was for your personal salvation that you heard truth this morning, that God wants to transform you from death to life, from a life of ungodliness 
to a life of godly living, not by your power, not because of you. Mm -mm. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Would today be the day you surrender? Listening later, listening at home right now, is, is now the moment that you surrender your life to Christ? That you say, yes, Jesus, I surrender. I don't wanna be living a delusional lie of a fake gospel that everybody just gets to heaven because they're good. I wanna surrender my life to Christ right now. Friend, if that's you, man, you, it's just the sincere prayer of your heart that, that you're a sinner and you recognize it before God, I'm a, I mess it up. I need to be saved. I need to be rescued from me. I wonder this morning for you, believer, that, that the Holy Spirit of God would just kind of in his loving, man, just so grace-filled way would just have underscored something for you today. How many of you would say, yeah, I, I got it. I know. Anybody raise your hand and go, yep, that, that was me. Mm. Hands all over the room. Listen, my question now is, who will you tell? Who will you invite to hold you accountable to perhaps change some habits? Father, thank you oh, so much for your grace for the truth of your word, for the excitement and the passion that is clearly here within a man named Paul. Thank you for a young disciple of a man named Titus, loving and serving people, equipping and building your church. God, thank you for struggle. It's where, it's where iron sharpens. It's hard, but clearly the moments in our lives that have perceived to have been the most difficult are the moments where you just showed up and showed off in such a magnificent way. God, how can we as your people walk in joy through trial, through tribulation? I pray that you would use your word in our hearts that you, one true creator God, would be the focus of our lives and the ebb and flow of our day. Have your way in this place as we say yes to you in Jesus' name, amen.